as access to the Father. That's it. But whether you live prosperously or not is determined by what you do with the Word of God. So I'm going to talk about prosperity today in terms of expansion. And it's going to make some of you uncomfortable. We're okay with that. It's going to make some of you offended. We're okay with that, too. It's going to make some of you mad. It's going to make some of you excited. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that when they hear the gospel, you only can have certain responses. You only get excited. You get aggravated or offended by it. And so we're going to look at some scripture today, but I really want to talk to you. I just kind of want to start out just kind of setting some foundation for you and understanding something because you know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Tell your neighbor, say, you will never live above your thought life. You will never live above your thought life. In fact, today, your life is the sum total of your most dominant thoughts. What you have in your life right now is the sum total of your most dominant thoughts. And so we're going to start with Matthew 6 and 33 because we just want to lay down some foundation. But at the same time, you understand that in order to lay down foundation, sometimes you got to excavate the land first. You got to dig up some stuff. And what I would say to you is that a lot of people, without even realizing that you're so deeply entrenched with a poverty mentality and a scarcity mentality, like you're so familiar with scarcity, you're so familiar with poverty, and then you, and so you get offended by people who are prosperous. And I'm going to give you just as we start off, as we kick off a way that you can determine whether you have a poverty mentality or not. If you have ever judged that someone else was too ex um, extravagant with their money, you got a poverty mentality. If you have ever made a judgment about what somebody else does with their money, you have a poverty mentality. Because what you really believe is that their money is in some way impacting your life. And I think that this is really important because I want you all to know you can text it, you can tweet it, you can IG it, you can whatever. I am a prosperity preacher. Because the gospel can't be nothing but prosperity. You should go to hell for your sin. You believe in Jesus, he take all your sin. It don't get no more prosperous than that. And because people are so comfortable being broke and living in lack and living paycheck to paycheck and living scarcity-minded, they get offended with people who have chosen to believe the word of God and live at a higher level. Particularly if you're a preacher particularly if you're a preacher. You see it all the time, all over the internet, people who got judgments about who got a plane and who don't have a plane. What that plane got to do with you? What that plane got to do with you? You judging who got a mansion and who don't got a mansion. Did, were you trying to buy the same mansion and they outbid you for it? Because if not, what their mansion got to do with you? Even if they did outbid you, is that the only mansion in the world? All of that indicates a scarcity mentality. You can look in the Old Testament and see that anybody who hung out with God ended up rich. Anybody who hung out with God ended up rich. Why? Because God is a good father. 
And if Edwin couldn't stand to see Canaan not to have matching Vera Bradley pieces, you know that God ain't interested in living in heaven that's paid with gold while you live in a trailer park and can't pay your bills. But if it's deeply entrenched on the inside of you, you know, um, my friend, Pastor Sheretta, she was telling the story the other day. She was talking about how when she went several years ago, she went to the Bahamas, Jamaica, somewhere, and she almost drowned. And she was talking about that one of the things that she learned is that if you're drowning and you fight people, you go die. And the truth of it is, is that a lot of you are drowning financially, but you fight the word of God that's designed to save you. And you're offended with increase because deep in your heart you've been trained to believe that if somebody's rich, they must have done something illegally in order to get it. That's why it's so easy to see because here's the problem. If you, if it's really true that a preacher got blessed from working the word and not from stealing the money from the people, then the question becomes why ain't you working the same word to get the same increase? So it's much easier to say that the preacher hustling the people. I'm just telling you, everybody who hung with God, you want to lay it out in the Old Testament, preachers didn't even work. The people had to bring 10% of what they had to ensure that the preacher didn't work. Here's the question I want to ask you. I don't know how you grew up. I grew up in a country church where our pastor still had to work a job and where the highlight of the year was that we bought him a suit for pastor's anniversary. And I'm just asking you, if you increase-minded, why in the world would you want to follow leaders who broke, busted, and disgusted that you feel good about the fact that you paid for them to have dinner? Unless you got a poverty mentality. So I love to say this particularly now because you can look around this room and know that you ain't make us have nothing. No, I'm trying for real. Look around this room. It ain't enough money in this room to dictate how I live. We live how we live because we believe God. We live how we live because we've taken the opportunities that God has given us for new jobs, for business opportunities. But at the same time, we still have the right to be blessed by the ministry that we do. And if that bothers you, this ain't the place for you. Or get delivered. Or don't. And why is this important? Because I know that when, first of all, let's go to, Deut let's go to Deuteronomy 8 and then to Matthew 6 and 33. So go to Deuteronomy 8 and 18. Because you, gotta, you can't transform your thinking until you identify your own thinking. And let me tell you something. Black people, African-American people, are so deeply entrenched with struggle and scarcity that we're offended by anybody black who don't live that way. Because part of the bondage of slavery gospel was that you would get your blessing when you got to heaven. So how dare people get their blessing now when you waiting on heaven to get yours? But I read in the Bible where it says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means I can pull down what's in heaven into the earth realm. And if you choose, like, let, let, okay, let, let, let's talk about not money because people get offended about money. But we're going to stay there, but I want to use an example. How are you mad at Jimmy because he in better shape than you and you don't work out? 
the gym available to you too. The pavement available to you too. How you, what kind of nut would you look like looking at Jimmy Pitchers, talking about he get on my nerve, he always showing out, he's so arrogant, he think he's so much. The same stuff is, a, and just as stupid as they look, is how stupid you look when you jealous of somebody increasing as though God don't have enough for you. And so God don't have enough for you. So let's look at Deuteronomy 8. It says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that give you the what? To do what? Why? So he made a promise to Abraham. And his promise to Abraham was that if you rock with me, I will bless you in every area of your life, including your finances. That's why I hate when I see stuff and people like, well, would you rather be rich or happy? I'd rather be both. I'd rather be both. If, and and I, 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 I love, you can always determine a poverty spirit by this. Well, you know money don't make you happy. Well, let me give you just a, print, a point, okay? If you're depressed and you sad, ain't nothing you can do about it. And if you're depressed, sad, and broke. But if you're depressed, sad, and got money, you can at least go to a counselor. No, I mean, that's real talk. Money does make a difference. Money's not number one. I'm not saying money's not number one because inevitably somebody always wants to go to First Timothy and say, but the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. We have never told you to love money. We told you to love God. But to think that you, and, and here's, the, here, here's the hypocrisy of it, at least for people who live in Northwest Arkansas. Everybody up here believe you ought to have money. And if you don't, quit your job tomorrow. You believe it. That's why you go to work. That's why you put up with them people who get on your nerve. Because you need that money. So to then try to be deep and be like, well, as long as we got King Jesus, you can't pay for the rent with King Jesus. You can't come up in here. Hey, Ma'am, how are you going to pay for the room today? Well, King Jesus, charge it to King Jesus. Right, they like, does King Jesus have a credit card? Does King Jesus have some cash? Because if King Jesus don't have a credit card or some cash, we're going to send the people for you because we need our money. Right. So let's look at Matthew 6. It says, so God has given us the power to get wealth. And I just, I really want to talk to you. I, I read it. I did. I read it. But let me read it again. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that give thee power to get wealth. Remember, everybody read it because they read the words out. Oh, okay. All right. Matthew 6 and 33. Matthew 6 and 33. Because if you don't dig up your old thinking, you're really not going to expand. You're not going to expand, and it doesn't matter how many plans we give you. It doesn't matter how many times searcher gets up and says, these are things you need to do for your credit. You're not going to do them because you don't think you should expand. It doesn't matter how many times Pastor Ellen gets up and says, hey, send me a resume. I'll help you get a job. You're not going to do it because you don't think you should expand. And even if you happen to luck into a promotion, you're going to charge up everything you have and get back where you were because you don't really believe that you had a right to increase anyway. And so if you don't deal with your thinking, it doesn't matter how many. I can't speak for other churches. What I can tell you is that this church is rich on practical. 
You saw it just demonstrated right here. Kedra need $800 to start a business. Let's give him $800. He shouldn't have to go somewhere else, right? So we got all kind of practical stuff. We'll look at your resume. I'm a coach. I'll help you come up with a creative idea to come up. I, I'll give you side hustle in order if you need to jumpstart your savings. Um, surgical work with you. Kenosha work with you. But at the end of the day, if you have a poverty mentality, you're going to take all the information that we have, fill up a notebook, make your notebook real anointed, and you're going to stay real broke. Your, no, your notebook anointed than a mug, though. <laughs> and then the problem with smart people, and I'm going to keep saying this because people in Northwest Arkansas, you really believe you're smart, is that smart people really believe because you can regurgitate something, you got something. But in truth, if you honest with, you, you, if you honest with yourself, it's kind of like algebra was for me. As long as he was writing on the board, I knew what he was talking about. But the moment I got home and had to do them problems by myself, I ain't know what the heck he was talking about. I ain't know X, Y, how to balance an equation. I didn't know how to do any of that. But some of you think that because you can regurgitate something, you remind me of my children. When I say, um, take out the trash, and you go, I know. Well, if you knew, the trash would already be out, and I wouldn't have had to say it. So when someone tries to talk to you about increase, expand, I know, I know, I know. Well, let me see your bank account. Prove to me that you know. Prove that you know. So Matthew 6 and 13, it says, but seek ye what? First. Seek ye what? Seek what? The kingdom of God and what? And then what? So if you read the whole chapter of Matthew 6, you'll find out that God knows you need things. Look at your neighbor, look at him square in the eye and say, neighbor, God knows you need things. God knows you need things. God is not, God is not like, oh, my God, they're not spiritual enough because they need things. He put you in a body. He know you need things. We don't want you to come here naked. You need clothes. So he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, let's just make righteousness easy. Righteousness is Jesus. He says, seek the kingdom of God and Jesus. So you get saved because of Jesus. So if you read the Bible, what you'll find is that they talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Jesus gives you access to the kingdom of heaven. But the written word renewed in your life gives you access to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is a place. The kingdom of God is a rule and reign. A lot of you are going to heaven, but you live like you don't know him. You don't live in the kingdom of God. How do I know you don't live in the kingdom of God? Because when God begins to talk to you about what he wants to do for you, particularly in the area of finances, you begin to talk to God about the economy. That lets me, see, based on what you say, I know which kingdom you live in. Based on what you say, I know which kingdom you live in. Listen, I, and I think it's so important because Pastor Edwin and I, we believe you ought to have integrity in your finances, and we believe you ought to have a good credit score. But our life is living proof that if God decides something is yours, he don't care what your credit score say. But I know what you believe by what you talk about when we start talking about increase and expansion. And anytime you, when God starts giving you a dream, I'm not saying that you shouldn't gather the facts and know what it costs, but I'm saying anytime the cost starts being the determining factor, you've just revealed which kingdom you live in. 
Because the position of a believer is that the moment God gave me the dream, the resources became available to me. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, no. Listen, some of y'all say line, but I'm telling you, the, re the reality of a believer is that the moment God gave me the dream, the resources became available. The Bible says that things are not hidden from you. They are hidden for you. It means that the very moment that God gives you a dream, what did not exist to you before now becomes existence to you. How do you access it? By your faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Now, so, you know, if you divide the room up, you probably got about, you probably got about a fourth of the people who you content with struggle. And no matter what we do, you go struggle. Ain't nothing we can do about that. That's why Jesus said the poor will be with you always. He didn't say you had to be the poor. But he said that the poor will be with you always. Then you got another group of people who you really want to live the best life, but you keep trying to get the best life the world way. You've heard God say you should live better. You've heard God say you should be able to bless more people. You've heard God say we should be able to give more scholarships. But the problem is, is that when you start trying to do it, you try to do it in your own strength. Let me help you. Whatever God gives you, you ain't got enough money or smarts to pull it off. Any dream that you can pay for didn't come from God. God intentionally puts a dream in the heart of a man or a woman that will require their faith to access. He intentionally, he says to Noah, build an ark. What's an ark? He don't even know what an ark is. And God starts laying out the blueprint. I know the Bible says that there is safety in the multitude of counselors. The challenge is that if your counselors don't know God, they'll downsize what God is trying to do in your life. You want to help preach? You want a mic? Get this man a mic. Get this man a mic. For real, get him a mic. Because this is how we live. And that's why I said, hold up, Sertrick, before you come back and you lay out some more principles, I want you to understand it ain't a principle in the world that'll work for you if God is against you. And it ain't a worldly principle that can stop you if God is for you. Not one. Tell your neighbor, say, no, not one. No, not one. If God is for me, you can't stop me. And if he ain't, you can't make it work. All right. So we seek the kingdom. We get a mindset. How do you get a kingdom mindset? You have to hear the word. I say this all the time. I'm going to say this again, right? The word. So one of the challenges for believers is that believers don't know how to strategically study. Okay, if I'm sick in my body, I don't need to be listening to scriptures about how it's a good day. I need scriptures that tell me I'm already healed. 
So the challenge for believers, especially those of you who really deep and all you listen to is like K99, listening to music when you go in and stuff, just because you're hearing stuff about God's goodness don't mean you're hearing word that's going to shift you. So if we're believing about expansion, you have it. When we were believing for our marriage to be better, what we listened to was about stuff for marriage. Why? Because we needed a word for our marriage. Broke folks ought to be listening to the word that tells you you're not called to be broke. And then everything you hear in the world should be supplementing what God is saying. Let me give you an example. We believe, according to the Bible, that there's a blessing on the tither. So if I'm trying to get my finances in order, and I go sit down with somebody who tell me the fastest way to get my finances in order is to stop tithing. Let me stop listening to you. You already out of bounds, bro. You already out of bounds. Because if I've chosen to do it God's way, I don't have to come out of integrity with God to get what God said. I am. It's okay. And a challenge for some of you because you do have, what, what do they call them? Um, business ethics. You got business ethics, which means that you don't necessarily do what's pleasing to God if it's business ethics, which isn't illegal. But just because it's not illegal don't mean it's kingdom. Most people don't understand the kingdom that they operate. I'm going to give you a natural example. We're going to go back to the word, okay? So a couple of years ago when Mitt Romney was running for president and it came out that he paid 14% taxes, most people know that they don't pay 14% taxes. Most people got really, really offended and said that Mitt Romney was a crook. He may have been a crook for some things. He wasn't a crook for that. Because anybody who understands the business quadrant understands that employees pay more in taxes than business owners. Because employees, they don't trust you. So they take taxes from you up front. If you're a business owner, you pay taxes on what's left. But if you don't understand the benefits of the kingdom of the United States, you can live here your whole life and always pay 33%. The kingdom is the same way. So just because you go to church, I say this all the time, going to a faith church don't make you a person of faith any more than standing in your garage make you a car. You stand in your garage all day long, baby, you still not a car. And you can sit in a faith house all day long, but if you don't choose to believe the word of God, then you're not a faith person, even though you may be going to heaven. And that's the conflict for a lot of people, because you're like, I love Jesus, yes, but what did Jesus say about your finances? And what did Jesus say about your marriage? And what did Jesus say about your kids? And what did Jesus say about integrity and excellence and work? And what did Jesus say about giving? Because this is what I love about the wokes now, the woke Christians, the wokes. Listen, child, the wokes, they wear me out. Because the wokes be so broke. The wokes know how to change the whole world. Ain't got two pennies to rub together. They talking all that game from their mama basement because their mama went to work. Yes. 
But one of the most interesting things about the so-called wokes is that the wokes try to be real, real deep, and they try to use their intellect. They say things to you like this. They say, Pastor, so you don't think it's wicked that a poor man should tithe to? Because you don't have no revelation of the kingdom, and you don't understand the tithe is to stop you from being poor. So you're trying to talk about a system that you don't understand. This is important because as you increase, it is very important that you understand that when you increase, the enemy always comes not for your money, but for the word that got you the money. When you increase, however you increase, he comes for the word that produced it, not the money. So he uses sneaky discussions and arguments to plant seeds. You give money to that church, you can't help your cousin? My cousin smoke weed all the time, no? No, I can't. The Bible tell me to sow my seed in good ground. I'm working, you laying on the couch. You clearly ain't good ground. But they use that to plant those seeds in you to, to get you to get, to back up off the word. And here's how you know when people are starting to back up off the word. They start to say this phrase right here. Maybe it don't take all of that. Anytime you find yourself saying maybe it don't take all of that, your heart is already starting to disconnect from what God is doing in your life. Maybe it don't take all of that praying. Well, you didn't say that when your whole life was jacked up. When your whole life was jacked up, you was at prayer before we could open the door. Pastor, I'm just here. I'm just here. I need a word from the Lord. I need a word from the Lord. The problem with most people is that when they get comfortable, they don't have a desire for the word the way that they did when they're uncomfortable. Take your neighbor and say, you should not need struggle to pick the word. You should not need struggle to pick the word. This is so important because if you don't change your thinking, it doesn't matter who prophesies good to you. It doesn't matter who prophesies increase and blessing and best year of your life. We see it with marriage. We have marriage events. And the truth of it is, is that most married couples don't come. What's always interesting to me is that the marriage couples who need to talk to us the most is the ones that don't come. We was busy. What's busier than fixing your marriage when your marriage messed up? And then what's always really interesting to me is the people who don't give, they always the people who want to hook up in a handout. They don't tie, they don't give an offering, but when they rent is due, when they about to get evicted, they want to know if the tithers and the givers can pay the rent. But the system is a hustle, I guess, until you benefit from it. I'm here for it all day. Because you got to dig up this stuff because you got to own in yourself how uncomfortable you are about somebody else's increase. I love when people around me increase. You, let me tell you the biggest reason I love when people increase. Because when people increase around me, that means when we go out to dinner, I know we go cover the whole meal. If you go to dinner with people with a scarcity mentality, if you go to dinner with people with a poverty mentality, 
people, th this is how people with a poverty mentality go to. They want to divide it down the middle to the penny. No tax, no tip, but they want to divide it down the middle to the penny. And they want to divide the appetizer that they the only one who ate. They want to divide the glass of wine that they the only one who drank. They want to make it equal then. I love increased people because when we go to dinner with increased-minded people, we go fight over who go pay. I like going to dinner with my friends. You don't know somebody get up from the table, you think they going to the bathroom, they just pay for the whole meal. If you ain't never thought about doing it, even if you can't afford it, you ain't got a, a prosperity mentality. No, no, because I keep saying that people who want the blessing, you always want to shout about what somebody gave you. You know what the best blessing is? To be the one who gave. The Bible says we're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. To me, the greatest thing this church ever did was when we gave Kaylee $10,000 to go to school. That's the dopest thing we've ever done. That's the dopest thing. Now, the second dopest thing we've ever done is start, help Keisha start his business. Because I'm not looking for a handout because I believe if I trust God, there's more than enough. Expanded mind people. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I want to tell you this. If you don't think about increase, I'm going to go ahead and say it so we can work through it. You're selfish. If you don't have increase on your mind, you are selfish. Because all you're thinking about is you, your foe, and no more. Can I help you? If you ain't increase-minded over little, you won't be increase-minded over much. Let me give you an example. School's getting ready to start. You got kids, right? If you got kids, then if you increase-minded, even if you don't have a lot, you go send some extra supplies to school because you know that all the kids don't have resources. But if you like, everybody, mama, need to make sure they got supplies. You got poverty on your mind. Crayons, 27 cents. You can't pick up five extra packs and send them to the teacher. When it's time for a field trip for $5, you can't say, let me sponsor three more kids. You ain't increased-minded. You don't never get up in the morning and say, who can I be a blessing to? You're so excited when you go to Chick-fil-A and your meal is for free, but do you pay for the one behind you? You're so excited when you go to Starbucks. Right? You're so excited when you get to Starbucks and it's your time for a free cup. What about the people behind you? See, you can measure your own self whether you got expansion on your mind. And if expansion on your mind is just about increasing you, you don't have a kingdom mindset. I want, I, I, I want to be rich because you can do more if you're rich. No, that's just the truth. I want to be rich. I've been really poor. I've been poor. I've been much better off. I've been almost rich. And I found out that even almost rich, I could do better than I was just leaving poor. The kingdom mindset is about expansion. Listen, I want you to think about this, because somebody go, what about souls? What about souls? Everybody in here who's saved, raise your hand. 
The truth of it is, is that we live in a very different dispensation than the dispensation that we used to live for before. Let me ask you something. When somebody come knock on your door, are you open to hear what they got to say? Because I'm not. I want you to get away from my door. I don't care what you're coming from. I don't, I, I don't want you coming to my. No, be honest. When someone comes to your door, people like, I don't, I don't even open it. So how are you going to spread the gospel going to people's doors when you wouldn't even open yours? So how you spread the gospel in this dispensation is to have a marriage that somebody with a broken marriage wants to know how you got it. It's to have money to pay for the lunch of the person who can't afford to eat. You do that stuff long enough and people start asking you, how can you afford to do this? And you be like, let me tell you about God. All they think about is stuff. All you think about is stuff, too. That's why you don't give at church. That's why you hoard it, because all you think about is stuff. All right, let's look at Matthew 10. I'm, just, I'm almost done, because I really just wanted to, I, w- I want you to be the judge yourself. I'm asking God for increase. I love this, because people say things like this. God, if you gave me a million dollars, I would build a church. You won't get a $10 in your pocket now. We ain't going to base this out building church on you. If you had a million dollars, then you'd be like, well, God, no, they don't need that much money. Let's get them a tent. <laughs> right, if you won't give, listen, if you won't give $10, you're not going to give $100. If you won't give $100, you're not going to give $1,000. If you're not going to give $1,000, you're not going to give $10,000. If you're not going to give $10,000, you're not going to give $100,000, which is why I keep telling you over and over again, the reason that God deals with money so much is, one, you need it to live, and two, money always reveals your heart. Money always reveals, I can tell how a man really loves his wife about how he acts about spending money on her. And one person, thank you, Bally. Thank you, Bally. Pastor. Listen, after Pastor Ellen got up, he told his little testimony about how he had blessed Cain. He came and sat by me because he didn't see me when I left home, when he left home. And he said, is that new? He said, he said, it's, he said, no, he said, he said, it's pretty, is that new? And I said, you know that's new, and you know you paid for it, because you were so busy blessing Canaan, I know you wanted to bless me, too. I know you wanted to bless me, too. I know you ain't just want Canaan to have new stuff, and I ain't had nothing new. But you can tell what people love by what they're willing to spend money on. So somebody say that you, you say you love your spouse, but you arguing over the $10 you gave them. You don't love them. You say you love your church, but every time that somebody asks them, they ain't getting my money, you don't love it. You may like what you get from it, but that ain't the same thing as love. Oh, no, no, no. It's kind of like the difference between having casual sex and being married. You love the feeling but you don't want the responsibility. Ah. And a lot of you in church, you're really just hooking up with Jesus. You come Sunday, get your little hook up. You like the feeling. You like the tinglies of the shout. You know, you, you like 
the dude who like to come through at night so he don't know your lights off. Some of you've lived it. Some of you will catch it tomorrow. <laughs> but, and that's why I was saying, if you go, listen, real talk. If you don't trust us with your money, go to church somewhere else. But if you don't trust nobody with your money, the issue you. The issue you. Go where you trust somebody. But if you can sit up in the church and take the air. I mean, literally, real talk. When church, I'm, I'm just, because we just talking, we just family, right? Every week, we buy snacks for the kids. It's people who go get them a snack, even though they don't volunteer in children's church. When that bag come through here going to the thing, they like. Ain't never gave $5 for Victory Zone. Don't care where the snacks come from. All they care about is that it's a snack when you want a snack. Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's look at Psalms 115, 12 through 14. Psalms 115, 12 through 14. Say, the Lord wants me to increase. Say it with some enthusiasm. Say, the Lord wants me to increase. Tell your neighbor, say, the Lord doesn't care how much money you have as long as money don't have you. And every day, you get to test where the money has you. Every day. I was talking to a friend the other day, and they didn't mean, they, I mean, they, it, they didn't mean any harm by what they said. But early on, me and Pastor Ellen, we used to clear out our savings account all the time being a blessing to somebody. Like, all the time. Like, our savings account was really more aptly named, bless somebody else's account. Now, it wasn't that mu always that much in it, but if, literally, if the Lord was like, so-and-so needs whatever. We like, let's make it happen. One, because we really believe that what you make happen for somebody else, God makes happen for you. And I was saying, you know, we don't do that as much. Well, part of the reason we don't do that as much is because we got way more in our savings account than when we used to do it. And my friend was like, you know, I'm glad that you don't do that as much. That much. I said, don't get it twisted. If God asks for everything in my account today, he can have it. Everything. Everything. Because the same God who did it before can do it again. And I have had God do more for me when I didn't have a dime than when I had money. Because what I found out for most people is that when you got money, you don't trust God. You trust money. The Lord will, he has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. But he will bless them that reverence the Lord. So there's a blessing for reverence the Lord. It's a blessing for obeying God in your finances. It's a blessing for assembling yourselves together with the saints. It's a blessing. I know you don't always feel like coming to church. Guess what? You're not the only one. You're not the only one. You know that just like you, what we would like to do sometimes is not get up. You know who probably really don't want to get up? The praise team who have to get up and practice before you get here. The people who set up like Chase and Caleb and Casey in the morning and stuff. You know the people who put these chairs in place that you didn't even think about because they always in place when you come? All right. He will, he will bless them that fear the Lord both small and great. Next verse. The Lord shall increase you. How?
if you think like God, how do I learn to think like God? I look in the Word and I find out what God says. I see what God is doing. I do what God is doing. We saw that when Jesus found the people and they didn't have enough food, he broke off and gave them some food. Maybe I can't feed 5,000, but I can break off of what I have and I can feed somebody. So I find out what God is doing and then I model it. And I watch God come through over and over and over again in my life because one of the reasons I can tell you that God can come through is because I've tried him. And one of the reasons some of you can't is because you ain't. Because you've always rescued yourself. You've always had a good enough plan. You've always made the choice that in a crunch situation, you wouldn't give like God told you to give. And so you rescue yourself. But see, I know that he's a rescuer. Because I've given it all to him. And watched him do more than what I could have done. Now, I believe that we ought to get to the state, which is why Sertrick is doing the work that he's doing, where giving your all should be huge. Then we get to the point where you giving your all, your all buying cars, your all paying tuition and, and room and board, your all shouldn't always be $500. Your all shouldn't always be $1,000. But you ought to have a mindset that if God increased me and give me a million dollars and if he asked for it, he can have it. Oh, because I want to throw this out because here's the other principle of the kingdom. Here's the principle of the kingdom. God owns everything. I own nothing. That's the difference between the world. The world thinks they own what they have. Everything I own, I got from God. So that's why God is free to dictate to me what I did. Well, God didn't go to work, but if God didn't give you oxygen, you couldn't go to work. If God didn't cause your body to work you, I work hard for this money. You and God in partnership work hard for that money. So, he will increase us more and more. And if you're not increase-minded, you will be like two stories. You'll, you'll be like the prodigal son, brother. Everybody always talk about the prodigal son, but who you really ought to check the heart of is his brother. So the prodigal son came to the father, and he was like, hey, I don't really want to wait on you to die. I want to kick it now. Can I get my inheritance? The father said, it's yours. You want it now? Take it. Let's parenthetically insert. Most of us at this point never get to the rest of this story because we like, if you don't get out my face <laughs> talking to me about this right here. Son goes off, learn some hard lessons, learn that people will love you when you have money. They'll step over on you when you don't. Dude gets so far broken down that he finds himself working in a pig pen which really is a big deal because he's Jewish, and Jewish people don't touch pork. The Bible says that when he's in the pig pen, he comes to himself. Come See, some of you ought to come to yourself and realize that the money you're trying to hoard ain't yours to begin with. Anyway, so the son comes to himself, and he says, in my father's house, even the servants are living better than I'm living. He says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go home, and I'm going to make myself a servant to my father. Because that's what the saints try to do. That's why Pastor Dan was trying to teach us about not performing. Because you think that when you mess up, that now what you got to do is come and make yourself a servant to the Lord in order to get access. But the prodigal son father reveals the heart of God. The Bible says, I want you to notice this. The father doesn't go get him. He just watches for him to return. No, no. 
if you choose to live over in poverty and lack and shortage, he, he may not come get you. He'll just watch for you to return. He'll watch for you to come to yourself and go, I sing songs about his thousand, a cattle on a thousand hills. Why am I sitting here trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills every month? And then you'll get up, and then the Bible says that he, the father ran to the son. He runs to the son. The son starts trying to do what kids do when they mess up. Daddy, I really messed up. Daddy, I'm so sorry. Trying to explain. But, you know, if, you're, if you haven't talked to your kids, their explanations never make sense anyway. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's just move on, okay? Let's move on because I don't know what you're talking about. Right, that, is, that didn't even make, I mean, I mean, I feel like a million times a week, Strick and I, when our kids say something, we like, that don't even make sense. What? Like what? And so the father says, this is my son. He's home. Put his ring back on him. His ring represented his authority. His, and put a robe back on him. The robe represented his relationship. So he puts the cloak that represents the family back on him. And he puts the ring that allows him to transact business on behalf of the family. And then he says, now kill a calf and let's throw a party. When your kids mess up money, do you throw a party? Huh. Maybe you don't think like God. But I got to teach them. But I got to learn. They got to learn. Well, you've been learning lessons with struggle. Have you learned them yet? Because most people don't learn to manage abundance in struggle. You don't learn to manage abundance in struggle. All you learn how to do is get good at struggling. Struggling is like the prison system. It just makes you better. Prison system makes you better at being a criminal. Struggle makes you better at struggle, not abundance. Yes. So anyway... The brother comes in from the field, and there's party preparation going on. And he like, what's up? What's going on? And they like, yo, brother back. We about to get lit up in here. Because, you know, I mean, like, we about to turn up. Call DJ Derek. Get Tamara to do the food. Yo, brother back. We about to kick it. He like, my brother back. We, the one who spent all his money? Huh. Let me go talk to daddy about this, because daddy really must ain't thought this through. And so the, he goes, and he like, John back? You throwing him a party? So we throwing parties now, because you got to know when your kids talk to you, your kids talk to you with great shade, when they feel like somebody, one of your kids, when one of your kids feel like the other kid got something, baby, they come with great shade. Oh, um, so, so you throwing Canaan a party now? I mean, now, so now we throw parties when people break the rules. That's what we do. That's how we roll in it. That's how we roll in Camp Street, Dad. When people mess up, we go throw a party. And then he, made, then he said this right here. He said, you ain't never thrown me a party. And the daddy said, son, all this was yours. You could have thrown a party anytime you wanted to. When you salty about somebody else's increase, you like that brother. But they got a new car. But they got a promotion. But they got so-and-so. Son, the kingdom is yours. You can have whatever you want. Mark 10, Matthew. Mm -hmm. 
Matthew 10, is it Matthew 10? What's on the piece of paper? Mark 10. We want to go to Mark 10 because I want you to understand this because this is why you got to get the own, your own struggle mentality out your system. Because the Bible tells us real clear what happens when people begin to increase in any area of your life. We're talking about money today, but if you want to hear about the times we talked about this and other stuff, go back and listen to the last six months of messages. Today we're talking about money. But anytime you get a word in your heart, the enemy comes for the word. He comes to steal the word. You get a word that your marriage going to be restored. I, 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 I Listen, I literally almost hate for people when they at conferences, when they say, when you go home, your life going to be different. I always want to get up and say, babe, when you go home, <laughs> when, I, 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 when you go home, your kids going to be crazier than when you left. <laughs> your boss going to be crazier than when you left. Because the enemy is going to stare them up to see if he can get you to abandon what you just got. And that's why it's so important when we talk about increase that you understand this. Because when we start talking about increase, then the enemy's sitting here and he's listening to who's talking about increase. He's hearing you say, ooh, I need to start tithing. They're like, hey, we need a problem this week. We need to stop that from happening right there. That why, uh, wash and dry. Wash and Listen, I, I'm, I'm just being funny, but I'm being serious, so don't be too deep. That wash and dry demon, go get it. Tear that dry up. Tear that dry up. That supernatural growth spirit that make your kids grow three inches and their shoes don't fit, come on in right now. We need that to work. Because the job of the enemy is to get you to back up off of the word because only the word transforms your life. So his job is to do something. It's why I was so proud of Kathleen and Valdez when they were going to get the food truck and they had a wreck. And people were saying to them, don't you spend that food truck money on that food truck. You go back home. And they were like, nope, we going anyway. We going anyway. We going anyway. Because what you don't understand is that, yeah, they could have took the money and bought another car, but they still wouldn't have had the food truck. But they can take the food truck, and if they nurture it right, but if they, if they, you, you got to learn how to choose the needful thing. See, the reason I got to tithe is because I can already look at all the stuff my kids want and all the stuff I want to do for them and all the stuff I want to do for the community, and I know it ain't enough money. So I got to tithe because I need God to be in partnership with me. I need God to be like, your kids' interest is my interest. Your interest is my interest. Your desire for the community is my interest. And I know you don't have enough, so let me start dropping some down to you so you'll have more than enough. But you can call it a hustle if you like. And as long as you believe it is a choice. It don't matter. See, tithing, giving, they a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It don't matter how many scriptures show, somebody show you that you should tithe. If you've decided you're not going to tithe, you ain't going to tithe. It don't, it, it, and if you've just, listen, I say it all the time. God himself could write in the sky and say, you don't have to tithe no more. I'll be like, I'm cool. I've got this. I'm tithing. You know why? You can't talk me out of what I've experienced. I know it's a hard issue. You have stayed with people who you knew was lying. And you just chose to believe them. Or you said, I know they lying, but I don't care. It's a choice. Believing is a choice. And if you tithe and you don't believe, you don't get no harvest off of it. 
Because not because it ain't the money, it's your faith. Matthew, Mark 10, we're going to wrap up here. This is our last point. You can go ahead and get your offering ready for those of you who go give. And those of you who weren't, you weren't going to give anyway. So see, that's how it works. That's how it works. Matthew 10, verse 17. Mark 10, I keep saying Matthew, but it's Mark 10. We're going to start at verse 17. Um, this, this dude who was rich, he comes to Jesus. I like to tell stories the way you can really remember it, right? That's the way I had to teach myself the Bible because all them thou's and those, they didn't make sense to me. So I had to put it in, um, you know, Ebonics kind of. And so this rich dude come running to Jesus. And, you know, and he probably remind me a lot of, like, kind of the rich people, some of the rich and famous people that you see now, you know, you see them sometimes at a famous church, somebody, a famous pastor at their service or whatever, right? You know, you see them there. You see them sprinkled there. And, you know, they're rich. Everybody knows they're famous. And so I see it as somebody like that. And they come running to Jesus. And they say, um, he says, verse 17, he says, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then um, Jesus says to him, he says, why calls me good? There is no one good but God. And he says that to him because Jesus hasn't been revealed as the Messiah. So he's trying to, he's ascertaining his revelation is what he's doing. Anytime Jesus asks a question, he's trying to help you locate yourself. He already know where you are. So then he goes on and he says, um, you know the commandment. Because you know whenever people want to do something, they like want to look for something. And they be like, well, what did the Lord say about fornication? He said, if you ain't married, it's sin. That's what he said. Now, you can do it if you want to, but that, but what he said was that it's sin. But people always say, well, did he really mean, like, like so, did, 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 okay, if you and I just make vows to ourselves, are we married? Because whenever people are trying to figure out how to get the most for the least, they ask questions to try to find a way to get it on a technicality. They're looking for a loophole. So he says, you already know the commandments. He says, hey, don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your mother and your father, right? And he answered, and he said, master, hey, man, I got that. That's how church folks do. I go to church. I greet. I serve. I pray. I fasted. I got these. And then Jesus said, oh, okay, all right. He said, well, how about this right here? He because dude, like, man, I've been doing that since way back. Like that, like, like, you know, the saints be like, I need some deep revelation. He like, that's basic. God, I've been rocking, I've been doing that since the beginning. And then he says, then Jesus behold him. He loved him. Jesus wasn't aggravated with him. He actually loved him. And he said to him, He said, One thing you lack. Go your way and sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was what? Tell your neighbor, say, folks, get sad about their money. He like, you don't want me to commit adultery? Cool. You don't want me to kill nobody? I got that. You want me to honor my mother and my father? I'm damn. You want me to sell everything? <sighs> and give it away? Next verse, because you can't stop here. Tell your neighbor, say, this is why you shouldn't leave church early. Because the dude went away sad. And Jesus looked around about, and he said, how hardly shall they that have riches 
enter into the kingdom of God. Remember, I taught you the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. He does not say that because you're rich, you can't go to heaven. He says that because you're rich, it is hard for you to get into the kingdom of God because you think about your money instead of about the God says. Because in the kingdom of God, that's a good point. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is the treasure. And if you get Jesus, you got everything else. And if you're rich and you ain't got the kingdom firmly established, then the riches are the treasure. So then he says, go ahead to the next verse. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, we got to teach this because this is important here. He is not talking about a literal camel, camel and a needle like your grandmama used. If you go and you study, during, they had gates. They had a neat, uh, they called the eye of the needle where camels had to unpack the stuff in order to be able to go through. Because some people preach, they be like, see, that's why you can't be rich, because you can't put a camel through the needle of an eye. That's not what it's talking about. That's why when you study scripture, it is important to understand the context, the context and the culture behind the scripture. Or otherwise, you bring it into your context and your culture, which may not be correct. Next verse. And they were, wait, what? He just said that it is hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God, and they were astonished. What does that tell you? It t if they had been poor, they'd have been like, I know that's right. I, I know that's right. I know that's right. I knew my boss wasn't saved. But what they did instead, it says they were astonished. And then they say, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? The only way you say that is that if everybody in the circle is rich. Because they started looking around. They was like, well, all y'all ain't going to get in. So is it me? Because you know the disciples would fight over Jesus. So they would fight over Jesus. So they would, that I can imagine Peter was like, they ain't saved. I'm saved. It's me. Next verse. Next verse. It says, and then Jesus looking up with them said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Go to the next verse. Then Peter began to say unto him, lo, we have left all and followed you. What this tells us is that what he said to the rich young ruler, it wasn't his first time saying it. He had said it before, and they had had to give up some pride, some prized possessions in fact, if you study scripture, what you will figure out is that Peter actually, Jesus actually made Peter rich before he called him into ministry. Peter had been out fishing. He could not catch anything. And then God, and then Peter, Jesus said, can I use your boat? He says, yes, you can use my boat. He says, go back out here and drop them nests. He says, look at here, Jesus. You, you a preacher. You a carpenter. You don't know nothing about fishing. We don't catch fish in the daytime. He says, drop the net. And the Bible says that the fish began to jump into the net, that they had to call somebody else with nets. In fact, here was a, an example of Peter's lack of faith, even though he did it. Peter had nets. Jesus told him to drop his nets. If you study it, he only dropped a net. But every net that was dropped got filled. So he made him rich, and then he called him into ministry, which is why Peter says, hey, wait a minute, we left it all, to which Jesus responds. There is no man that has left house, brother, sister, 
father, mother, wife, children, or lands for my sake and the gospel. But he shall receive a hundredfold when? A hundredfold when? Now in this lifetime, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with so I want to talk about what you gain. He says there's absolutely no way that you could be getting ready to buy a house and God tell you to give the money that you were going to use to buy the house and you don't end up with more houses than you could have bought. He said, it ain't no way in the world you can separate yourself from people that I told you that you don't need to be with right now. And I wouldn't give you a tribe. That's why people all start saying they're walking with Jesus is lonely. That's not what the Bible says. He says, I will give you brothers and sisters. He said, if your mama forsake you for the gospel, I'll raise somebody up to mother you. He said, if your father don't come through for you, I'll raise somebody to father. He said, it is impossible for you to walk with me and not get blessed now and in heaven. Now and in heaven. And a lot of you so conditioned to what you going to get in heaven. What about what you need right now? What about the needs that are needed right now? And he says, go back. He says, with persecution. This is the word I really want you to underline. You cannot increase without persecution. If you, pers if you increase... One of the most profound prophetic things that Caleb ever said, he is 12 when he says it. We are riding to school and I say to him, what is so difficult about being the best you can be? And he says, the challenge is to figure out how great you can be before those who are supposed to love you start to hate you. I said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. He said, because you can be good but you can't be too good. Because if you too good, then everybody who want to be too good too start telling you that what you're too good is too much. But what I submit to you is that if you don't know my seed, how could you determine my harvest is too much? If you don't know my seed, how could you possibly imagine to fix your mouth to judge what my harvest should be? If you was going on vacation and we was staycationing because we was giving it to the kingdom, how dare you judge how we vacation? If we was laboring with our kids while you were still turning up, how dare you judge? If we was emptying out our bank account while you were still tipping, how dare you judge? How dare you judge a harvest for a seed you don't understand? Nobody ever drives past a cotton field or a cornfield and goes, they harvest is too much because the harvest is indication that the seed was a lot. And that is why you got to fortify yourself and you should never let anybody make you ashamed of anything God does for you. You should never let anybody make you ashamed of anything God does for you. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord make it rich and it adds no sorrow to it. Don't get mad at me because I work a system that's available to you. Here's the difference in the world system and the kingdom system. In the, ki in the world system, 
everybody can't be number one. In the world system, there is shortage. In the world system, there is competition. But in God's system, all you got to do is run your race and stay in your lane. And God will give you everything that he ever said with abundance. And you know what I love about God? What I love about God is God don't need your permission to bless me. He don't need your permission to bless me. He don't need a committee meeting about what I should drive. He don't need a committee meeting about what I, where I should live. That ain't your business. If you want to live like other people live, give like they live. Obey like they obey. Fast like they fast. But don't judge what you ain't lived. You have to discipline yourself to handle persecution. We took the kids on a vacation for spring break. And Kane and her friends FaceTime all the time. And so her friend asked to FaceTime her. And then she's showing her the condo that we're in. Her friend, I heard her friend say, let me see where you're staying. Canaan turns it around and starts to show her. And the girl says, you just showing off. I told Canaan, I said, you tell her. It ain't, her, it ain't your fault that your, your parents can afford to take you on vacation. And anybody who can't celebrate when you on your way up, I want God to sprinkle me with a little increase so I can see who go show themselves. <laughs> I, I, no, 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 because the Bible say first the blade. I, I, I like to see how people act when the blade come up. I want to know how you act when the blade come up. Because if you act the fool when the blade come up, I know you can't stand the full tree. But I'm telling you, Jesus never apologized for what God gave him the ability to do. Abraham never apologized for what God gave him the ability to do. Isaac, Samuel, David, any of those people who walk with God and increase, they never, I ain't apologizing for nothing God do in my life. But the distraction is, is that if your family can say, I thought you were a Christian. That's one, of the, that's one of the biggest manipulative tactics to get you to give up money that God never, I thought you were a Christian. You got to get free from that. You go to a church where they teach what? Because that's the strategy of the enemy to get you to be ashamed. You know what's interesting to me? Here's how you know it's a demonic strategy. The same people who will crucify Christians for balling out follow the Snapchats and Instagrams of world people who ball out. You know every outfit, you know what kind of plane they got, you looking up the resort that they went to. I mean, but if a believer stay at the car, Ritz-Carlton, then you like, ooh, they could have gave that money to, the, uh, to the somebody poor. Well, you could have gave your money to somebody poor. No, really. The next time you want to judge what a church should do with their money, here's all you got to do to measure yourself. How many times do you go past people on the street in the corner and you don't stop and give them nothing? How many times you go by? How many times you go by? So if you can't afford to supply them every time, then how would you think a church that you give to could afford to supply every request? All right, well, okay. It's, our, it's time to give. Amen. 
Amen. Listen, we made a declaration this was going to be the best summer of our life. Part of it being the best summer of your life mean that you got to increase financially. I'm not, I'm not trying to trade it out. I'm not trying to trade it out. We're going to give scholarships, and we're going to have parties with the church. I'm going to send my kids to college, and I'm going to go on vacation. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Here's how you can judge yourself, whether you got a poverty spirit. If you have ever found yourself aggravated because a teenager had a car that you didn't think they should have because you couldn't afford it, you got a poverty mentality. No, real talk. If you salty because a 17-year-old got a BMW, it just means you don't know who God is. Because that 17-year-old getting a Honda won't go get you a BMW. And then you say, you say, well, if they get everything now, this is this is the this is shortage in the Edison. If they get everything now, what they get to experience when they get older, they just used to it by then. They just used to it. Some of you go pass out when you get to heaven because you're so used to Grouponing and discounts and stuff. You're going to be like, is it a Groupon? Is it a buffet? <laughs> heaven is an abundant place. God is an abundant place. Here's what I can tell you from being a, a parent, right? Being a parent, whatever I level I live on, I want my kids to walk too. I do. I, I'm not, like, I do. I like. I, I don't want to go out to, my kids sometimes make me sad because on Sunday when we go to a nice restaurant, they be like, we want Subway. I'm like, no, we want to take you and show you what it's like. Because I notice that every time I go to Ruth Chris, it's kids there. It's always kids in Ruth Chris. You know they don't have a kids menu at Ruth Chris? It ought to bother you for the best stuff to be owned by the world. It ought to bother you that the best stuff is always owned by the world and the church always got the trinkets and the second hand. It's, it's, it's why I, listen, I hate with a passion church-run secondhand stores. Because if anybody ought to get the best, it ought to be us. It ought to be us. We ought to be known. Listen, the Bible says that Solomon was so rich that they threw the silver over the gates. They was like, if you ain't in the kingdom, take the silver. The Bible says that Solomon's people lived so well that when she became who was rich, that she passed out because she was like, your servants live like that. It ought to be known that if you are a believer, there ought to be the Your marriage ought to be better. Your kids ought to be better. Which is why you can't be in church not teaching your kids the words, so you growing in the words and your kids growing in ratchetness. Everything about your life as a believer ought to be better because you know Jesus. Well, well what about what what about um, what about the people who being martyred in whatever country? Well, I don't know if you call to be a martyr, you should go and you should pray that we have enough money to help you in that mission. But, I mean, no. No, I'm saying, 
stay in your lane, and run your race. But here's the reality, that if there's a call and they say we need a private plane to get these 15 Christians out of here before they get beheaded, we all not have to raise a GoFundMe account that take 330 days to get $5,000 in it. Somebody ought to be able to say, listen, last year, my friend, her daughter, they went on a trip. And when they went on a trip, they got to Italy. And when they got to Italy, there was some unrest in the country. They shut down all the private flights. My friend's daughter, her best friend, his, her dad owned a private plane. Her dad called all the rest of the girls' moms and said, don't worry about it. I'm going to get them. Everybody else was stuck in the airport, and they was in France. Resources. Why do we meet in this hotel room? Resources. That's why you ought to want to increase. You know why? Because you know that when football season starts and we have praise and worship at 930, the people go call down to the desk. They go say, we too loud. But you should say, you know what, God, increase me so we can have our own building. We can be as loud as we want to be. We can have tutoring programs for kids. We can do whatever we need to do. But if you content being broke, how do you think it's going to happen? It's your opportunity to give. Can you pull up our thing? Next week. I'm going to talk a lot about expansion. I'm going to talk more about the principles of expansion. But you got to get poverty off of you. You got to get poverty off of you. I check myself. I check myself about how I respond when somebody else is blessed. When somebody else increased. When somebody else has something. I, 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 I check myself because I want to make sure there ain't nothing in my heart that's jealous and selfish over what somebody else is receiving. I check myself about what I do with my resources. Here's you can ask yourself, when the last time you gave away something new? I know you give away the clothes in your closet you can't wear no more, but when the last time you gave away something new? When the last time you gave away something you really wanted? Because that's the measure right there. Giving away your trinkets ain't a measure that you a giver. Giving away the stuff that you ain't wore in a year is not a measure that you a give. When the last time you gave what's valuable to you? School getting ready to start. It's a lot of kids who got needs. It's, it's going to be some kids. They're not going to, you know what you can do? You can find a high, the, the elementary school that's closest to you. You can go in and put some money on the books and say, if it's a kid who don't have lunch, feed them. Because you should be offended that a kid in your ki neighborhood got to eat a cheese sandwich if, ain't no mon if it's not enough money. Northwest Arkansas has more food shortage than any place else. So you look, how can I help drive past an elementary school and a middle school and a junior high school and drop some money in the account and say, feed a kid. Don't give them a cheese sandwich. And a high school. Find a teacher. See if they, I, I called, um, I texted Tina last night. I said, do you need resources this year? Because last year we gave them resources. She said, I'm in a different population this year. So we got to find another school that needs some resources. So until we do, let's individually find a school that needs some resources. Break off a little bit of what you have. Go, when you, all the school supplies, it's stuff that's 10 cents. You ain't got 10 cents to help somebody? You ain't got a quarter to help somebody? You do. Take your Starbucks money. Take the money from your lunch on Wednesday and go be a blessing to somebody. So we're going to give because we believe something supernatural happens when we give. Do you want to say something?